Ladies and gentlemen, men and women, children of all ages, you're about to experience the opportunity to get in on the conversation. So do me a favor, join the conversation as you're about to step into the world of conversations about dot, dot, dot. I hope you enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back for another fun-filled episode of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. I am Will Holland, and I am not alone. I am joined by the wonderful Roscoe Brothers. Uh, introduce yourselves, gentlemen. I am Smiter Roscoe. I am Jingles Roscoe. Collectively, we are the Roscoe Brothers. Good morning, or evening, or afternoon, depending on wherever you guys are at. Thanks for having us again, Will. Not a problem at all. And uh, who? And tell us about your stands. We, so, we know you have stands. My stand. Is... So my wait. No, hold on. No, I, you tell us yours first. I I don't want to spoil mine. I got to do it on our podcast episode. Oh, okay. Well, you know, boy, that that actually kind of fits something. So just just keep in mind, there's a voicemail yeah. or two yes. for me. But okay. uh, so I'll tell you my stand since I'm not going to be on the show today. Uh, so my stand is a gigantic uh, bear nice. who doesn't speak. Yes. Uh, he just growls really loudly, and he is a bear with, I don't know what they're called, but you know those beads like Akuma wears? Yeah. Yeah. He wears a pair of those. He's basically like a fighter monk style bear. Yeah. And he just, when he's not hitting people with his weapon, he just slashes them with his claws, and he just roars and growls and stuff. Ah, I see. So your, our stands are similar types. Yeah. So because of that, it's the same, it's of, the same type of stand. Stay, same type of stand as Star Platinum. Will doesn't understand that joke. He has I to know. Catch up. So why is he talking about stands? Yeah, he hasn't even gotten to stands yet. Why are you talking about stands, Will? <laughs> I played one of the games. Okay, I learned about stands in one of the video games. I just don't remember which game it was. It was on the PlayStation system. So which, what would be the name of your stand? Yeah, and keep in it? mind, it has to be a musical reference. That's right. Unless it's a like a part three stand. Yeah, part three. Okay, stand, hang no, on. So the part three stands are all named after um, the Either tarot. tarot cards or musical Egyptian art. gods. Yeah. yeah. But but it has to it, it can't be a song though. It has to be like a musical artist, right? No, you can no, totally it can be name a song. Because <clears throat> like there's a stand called Man in the Mirror. Yep. That's the name of a song. Oh, there's there's really? Gold Experience, which is named after an album. Yep. Uh, there's also uh, White Snake, White Album. Yeah, White Album. Arts and Crafts. No, uh, it's Craftwork. Oh, thank you, Craftwork. You gave him the. the I gave him the localized stand. name. The localized name. My bad. <clears throat> okay, so fine, perfect. I got the name got Rocket it. from Herbie Hancock. What's the name? Rocket. Rocket from Hurry Hancock. You could just yeah, Rocket sounds good. All right, that's a good I name. Was, I was sort of, I was sort of banking on uh, my stance. Name is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I don't think there's an Earth, Wind, and Fire. No, wait. Yes, there is. There well, is. No, my there is a band named Earth, Wind, and Fire. But yeah, but exactly. I mean, there, there's also that's a the stance named Earth, Wind, and Fire there already. Is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, in that case, my stance name is uh, Stacy's mom has got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> you could I, I like alien ant farm i think alien ant farm, alien ant farm is, is a, a good, good name, name for a stand. stand yeah i mean i mean if i could come up with a way to come up with a creative name for a stand and call it you got the touch 
Oh, just yeah. the the touch. Yeah, just the touch. Oh, just the touch. Yep. Because there's a stand just called the hand. Yeah. They could call it the touch. That's okay right like that. But no, I think I'm going to go a rocket because the bear, for being a bear who's really huge and big, he's really fast. So, you know, rocket kind of works because he's that big, gigantic thing that just hits hard and, you know, breaks through walls. And unlike the Kool Aid man, he doesn't say, oh, yeah, he just breaks through walls and hits people. Yeah, that's right. I see. He's a standard close range rush stand. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, when you get caught up, yes, we'll we'll we, retool your stand because I feel like you'll you'll completely you'll, rethink you'll it. completely rethink how stands work, yes. what they do, yeah, how they work, and especially all when that. it goes into part four. Oh yeah, part four really like this is what stands are. This is how they work, yeah. and you're gonna have a great time with yeah. them. Because you'll see that they okay. get sort of wackier and more specific. Like as just a weird example, it would be like. Uh, my stance ability is that um, it can reach under your skin and pull all the veins out of your body with one pull, but only if we're maintaining eye contact on Tuesday. Right. Oh, so, dear. So one of the big things about stance, Will, is that uh, Araki was really focused on making them have really interesting and amazing abilities but they're like context sensitive they're very context sensitive like very like you have to have it this way or else it won't work yeah. kind of a thing yeah oh, it's very interesting it. yeah like there's a, there's this guy who has a stand ability that he turns people into like paper and folds them yeah and just holds on to them yeah but only if they are scared yeah and make like a, a scared noise I yeah, believe. yeah 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 so if he gets them to scream, basically in fear, he can turn them into origami and keep them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, I'm definitely going to get more into the show. Yes. Yeah, you do. Check out the show because uh, today's episode that we're going to record over on our podcast. That's right. Mythos podcast. Yeah. Almost every Monday. Yeah. Keep an eye out for those. Yeah. Um, we are Mythos going Mythos Monday, if you will. Mythos Monday. Ooh. Yeah. Monday. Uh, we are going to be focusing a lot on uh, uh, stands and how they work and some of the really fun intricacies of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's we're gonna. That's the. Subject I actually recommend you check it out, even because here's the great thing about JoJo, and I'll probably bring this up in uh, in the other in the other spoiler cast. What's really great about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is that you could spoil stuff later on and bring in key out of context plot points and fights and stand abilities and stand reveals and stuff but it somehow doesn't detract from the experience of actually watching or reading jojo's bizarre adventure yeah that's fair it's so crazy there are yeah because it's you. like it's like saying a, a good luck trying to figure out the context of uh a stand that could fold people into paper yeah trying to figure out what in what context is that yeah. helpful yeah exactly yeah Definitely, I definitely can see where this show gets interesting. I don't know, uh, when I was talking to Rakoi the other day, uh, Rakoi was a cosplayer, I got the interview the other day, uh, who cosplayed as Darkwing Duck and Powerline and a bunch of other people. Yeah. And uh, she, cool. we were talking about like Akira. We were talking about like back in the 80s, back in the 80s when the anime was first really becoming a U.S. phenomena. Like, you can't explain half this stuff to people. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. so this kid comes in and his arm starts mutating, and then this other kid is screaming, I kid out the whole entire time. He's on this big, cool red 
bike and there's yep. nuclear bombs going off and all this stuff. And you're just like, my mom's not going to let me watch this if she knew what was about to happen in this thing. That's right. Yep. Like she only let me watch it because, quote, oh, it's a cartoon. Sure, you can go watch that. Right. <laughs> is, Type thing. is that them Chinese cartoons? And then, of course, she took me to go see. She took me to go see Ghost in the Shell. And when hey. uh, the major, when the major jump, when the major jumps off the building naked, pretty much at that point, she's like, "Okay, and we're going home now." No, 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 <laughs> no! Let me see the cool cyberpunk lady. No, ma'am. Ma, yeah, please. it wasn't. I was in college when I finally got to see the uh, DVD version of it, where I got to see the whole movie. Mm. Right. I on. still need to just... watch the film of Ghost in the Shell. But Smiter bought the this the TV series standalone complex and uh, so good. We've been we've been hitting that on and off. It's really amazing on yeah. the level of detail and uh, yeah. level of like care that these older animes were like really focused on. Yeah, because mm -hmm. and we said this in our anime episode. Yeah, a lot of anime companies these days know that they can put out a subpar product and then fix it later. Yeah. And a lot of game companies are also doing this these yeah. days yeah. where like they don't try that hard and then just fix it yeah. later. Um, yeah. What is it? WWE 2K20. Yeah. It's your inability to fix yourselves. It's still you not even fixed with, yet. You keep coming out with DLC for more DLC product, but you can't fix your basic game stuff. Do we don't have somebody get thrown out of the ring and they just bounce in the ropes all day long. Thanks a lot, WWE 2K20. And How in, much does it cost I'm, for Mankind again? I don't even want to get into the whole DLC and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just, oh my gosh. You know, like, it made me angry. Another thing about it, so, you know, you guys, a couple of weeks ago, you suggested, hey, you know, you could totally do a Macho Man show where Macho Man reviews movies or something. I'm going to have to just take, like, pieces of like like photographs and just do the voice because like you can't record a video in the wwe game longer than 30 seconds yeah so like i almost feel like i'd have to record a bunch of videos just to make like a four minute video and just spend like weeks and weeks and weeks cutting together stuff to make it work for you know at 30 seconds at a time mm -hmm. that'd be kind of tough to do you know so I'm not for sure what to do on that. I'm not no, sure what the, if it's what's you, the game plan is. If it's you doing an impression, that's original content. Yeah. Well, he he's oh. talking about actually putting it together would take would be long and tedious. And oh, hard. okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, to put it together like WWE yeah. 2K19 or something. If there was a thing where you could set up like a backstage show on WWE 2K, like you have to. The way it works, it's really weird because, like, you have to set up. Like, I've set up a bunch of matches between myself and Paul Heyman as Macho Man. And then, like, oh. set up a bunch of matches between Macho Man and Paul and, and Brock Lesnar. I because see. the thing, the storyline in my head is kind of like, so basically Paul Heyman is trying to host the show and take it over for Macho Man. But Macho Man has to continually fight him or Brock Lesnar to keep to hosting the show. And this is still in a review of, like, movies and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. maybe it's not... It, the reason I did that was because you have to set up the stuff yeah. to, like, you have to set up the stuff to where you can have the moments where you're doing, like, the little clip art things, where, like, Macho Man's doing his little talking thing while he's doing his little uh, finger. He's pointing up in the air, or he's waving around, or he's spinning a spin and stuff like that. Just try to figure out ways to get that to happen. You have to do, since we only have one controller, you have to have, like, one person 
That's it. You have to have another person in there with you to do like a backstage brawl no. so you can go into all the areas. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, I was just going to point out, here's the problem, Will. You are respecting the craft too much. <laughs> You're being <laughs> too you respectful. Do, what you need to do is just record clips from a movie that you like and then just talk over them as Macho Man. I also have an idea um, because that I'd like to present to you off... Uh, off the cuff, off off the record. Off the record. Will, okay, that sounds like a plan. I have an idea that uh, you may like as it pertains to, to that project. I was just thinking about, uh, oh yeah, well, today we're going to be talking about Star Wars A New Hope, yeah. This movie came out. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and then all you have to do is just explain what the movie is, when it came out, and then just talk about your feelings about the movie. <laughs> well, see, my first movie to do is going to be Spider-Man because the first Spider-Man movie Sam Raimi because he was in that movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bonesaw's ready. I was Bonesaw. I was Bonesaw in the movie. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I had to get in a very emotional place to get whooped by a teenager. Yeah, but it was okay though because I still was able to represent myself and and, 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 and encourage encourage a young Tobey Maguire in the art of the wrestling. Yeah, it was really cool and different. Yeah, I mean, he didn't hot dog or grandstand. No, he listened to every word that the macho man had to say. Very valuable kid. That guy's going places. I'm telling you. I would I would love that. And that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have to do like true. I. I I want to say I appreciate you putting the forethought into that level of pageantry that you actually want to footage of, like, character models and, like, 2K and stuff like that. I guarantee all you'll have to do is just maybe draw Macho Man and then just sort of move that picture back and forth every once in a while. And just, it's, like, your voice will carry most of it. That's similar to what I, I was thinking about. And yeah. Like I said, well, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, off the record, I'll, I'll, off I'm going to talk to you about it and let me see. And we, we can we can see what you think about my idea. And uh, it might make it easier for you and still be, like, fun. And uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe one day we can look forward to a compilation of, uh, <laughs> of somebody doing uh, Will doing Macho Man, uh -huh. but they remove all the words, so it's just sad times where Will is inhaling sharply as Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> Get me to the boiling point, yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so so we've kind of rambled down this rabbit hole a little bit, and while I appreciate that, I would do want to start off by saying today, which is March the 8th, is International Women's Day. So I want to take a little bit of time and just talk about women in our lives that have encouraged us and inspire us that really have uh, kind of, you know, that have played a role in our lives, whether they be people that we know or people that we don't know, but we've maybe read their works or listened to their music or watched movies with them in it or different things like that that have really encouraged us. And so we just want to take time to talk about that. I'm going to open this up real quick and talk first about my mom because my mom is kind of the first woman I really got to know. Uh, Absolutely. And so, you know, it's my mom uh, grew up kind of in a hard, hard world. It was a little bit different. I was born in 1973. And so this is back at a time where you still had not only uh, a lot of issues in small towns, small Southern towns with being a black woman, but you know, but just, 
time, especially when you're trying to raise children or be, or, you know, I think my mother was in high school when I was born. And so, you know, having to deal with that aspect of things, but then also just trying to be a single mom and different things like that. Her and my dad, it didn't work out. And so, you know, she just, she always exemplified strength to me. Uh, even through the years, even when we talk now, I try to talk to her at least once a week. Uh, it's not always successful because even though, you know, she's been going through a lot of stuff physically lately, but she's still busy. You know, I think she's one of those people that when she leaves this world one day, she's going to be doing something when she goes. She's not just going to be sitting down and just, you know, she's not one of those rocking chair type people. If, uh, if she can move, she wants to go. And so she's always encouraged me in that regard. Um, I think one of my favorite stories about my mom growing up was uh, it was the day I had a lot of aunts as well growing up around me who were really cool. But there was a point in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, where I lived for a short time. And there was some stuff going on that shouldn't have been happening. And my mom and dad knew more about it than I did. It wasn't until I got older that they kind of told me what was going on. And so my mom and my dad, who, like I said, you know, my dad was overseas, I think, at the time. And he just, you know, he gets a call from my mom. It's just like, this is going on. We need to go do something about this. And so like, he had just happened to be coming home anyway. So he came home. They drove to Memphis. They came and get me. And um, you know, my mom looked at me as we were in the car heading back home. I hadn't been in Dyersburg at this point in a couple of years. And so my mom looked at me and she said, I know things have been a little bit tough for you. And I know you've been going through a lot. But trust me when I say this, you're never going to have to go through the crap you're going through again. Like, I ain't got a whole lot. But I just want you to know, and I appreciate the fact that your aunt, because I was raising my aunt for the first probably nine, ten years of my life. But there was just a lot going on in my mom's world for a period of time where she couldn't really take care of me. Uh, so my aunt took care of me. Well, then that stuff started happening. Apparently, she was just like, yeah, no, we're done with that. And so, but she said, you're you're going to be fine. You're going to be taken care of. And if you have any questions, if you have any concern, you know, I'm your mama. You know, I don't mind you asking questions. So that was another thing I think that I respected of her more than anything else was that if there was a question I had, it didn't matter how weird it was. It didn't matter, especially as I got becoming a teenager and the questions that come with just being a teenager. Uh, she didn't mind setting me down and asking and answering questions uh, legitimately. I mean, she was a nurse. And so a lot of things she could get very technical with me on stuff that needed to, that she needed to get technical with me on. And then other stuff, she would just be like, I'm going to hug you. And I don't, and I know you don't understand this, but this is one of those things you got to learn over time. Like, I can't give you a simple answer. So I appreciate her uh, because she was really one of my first heroes in a lot of ways. She really taught me how to treat a woman uh, as far as just not, and I don't know what I mean, not just as a mom, but you know, she would, she would give me little tips every so she'd be like, women don't, Women want to know that you care about what they're telling you. Women don't want to just, women don't just need a guy who's just going to sit there and be a piece on their arm. They want to know that you care. If a woman has, takes the time to tell you how her day is going, you need to listen to her. Um, you know, another thing was she would say so many times, she would say is that uh, sometimes a woman just needs to listen an ear. But more importantly, they need your heart. They need you to know you're invested in them for the long haul. Uh, 
if a woman ever tells you that they don't want you to open the door for them, uh, if a woman tells you that they don't want you to pull out that chair, if a woman tells you that, you know, they don't want you to let them order whatever they want to on the menu without expecting anything in return, it's because something is seriously wrong in the world. Because a woman should always want to be treated well. You know, and always should be want to be respected. And so these are things that my mom taught me growing up. And so those are things I hold dear to this day. And so uh, another woman that I admire uh, from afar, because I've never got a chance to meet her, was uh, Maya Angelou. Uh, she was a writer. She was a, one of the first African-American yeah. poet laureates. Uh, wrote a lot of powerful stuff. Uh, I, another woman that I really enjoy as far as acting and different things like that is Viola Davis. Uh, she's more of a newer, quote, newer actress, but she has been acting for a while before people really knew who she was. You know, that's the funny thing. You know, I remember watching an interview with her the other day, and she talked about how it was important for her to continue to show up, even when she didn't feel like it was a good idea to show up for, throw up for tryouts. Because there'd be roles that she knew she wasn't going to get. Because it, if she tells the story, she said she was literally told one time, you don't look like the typical black woman we get here. So we don't know that we can cast you for this role. And she would still show up at these auditions by a lot of the same people that told her a lot of the same stuff. And over time, she she didn't really wear them down, but they started looking at more of, okay, so she has this tenacity to keep showing up. Maybe there's something about her more so than just her skin color. So maybe we need to start letting her read for these roles. And she started reading for these roles and was killing it. And people are just like, okay, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, wow, you know, yeah, we gotta get her cast on this. And I think that's how she got on the How to Get Away with Murder on ABC. It was one of those auditions where she kept showing up for it, and people they kept turning other people away. And then she just showed up, and then eventually it was like, okay, 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 you got it, you got the role, <laughs> you know. Uh, another woman is Aretha Franklin. Uh, her voice was just this very powerful voice. And the thing about her that a lot of people may or may not know, she struggled with her weight a lot, which unlike a lot of singers and songwriters, especially uh, even now, I mean, you know, you have this kind of, you know, you have this kind of body type that people have. I mean, you look at like a Demi Lovato, you look at all these different singer songwriters, uh, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, different things like that, and they have a body type that they try to adhere to at all times. Aretha Franklin just sang regardless. That's right. Uh, and she, sometimes she was really, really small, sometimes she wasn't. But she just, she would go in there and she'd sing about being, feeling like a natural woman, and you could tell she meant it. You know, she was singing Amazing Grace at different situations. She was still tied to a lot of her gospel roots from the stuff she saw, listened to growing up. And so that always inspired me because it's just like, this woman can wail. Like, there aren't many women in the world that can sing like this and, and carry a career that she had. I mean, they call her the queen of soul for a reason. And so you look at these women and, you know, I mean, other women that I know, you know, people, different women that I've interviewed even on the interview shows and people that I hope to interview more of as time goes on, you know. There, there are awesome women in the world that 
do yourself a favor uh, and try to learn and grow, man. I mean, this is the whole thing about, you know, we live in a world where we always say we need to include people. You know, so if you're a guy and all you hang around is guys, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But you need a few women in your circle. You just do. Um, it, it, it helps make you a more well-rounded individual. All right, listen, everybody, do me a quick favor. When you get done listening to this episode of Conversations About Dot, 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 do me a favor, go check out Mythos Podcast, done by the Rasco Brothers themselves. They get into geek stuff with them and their friends, and they talk about a lot of geek things. They talk about anime, Star Wars, you name it. They're going to talk about it. After that, do me a favor and check out the Crafting Cosplayers podcast, where she talks not only Xena, but she talks geek stuff as well. So go check both of those out for me. Those are some awesome podcasts that you need to check out. And thank you so much for continuing to rock with us here at Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. And go check those podcasts out as well. Thank you so much. And I'm sure they'll appreciate it as well if you follow them up. Take care. So I will put that out there. So gentlemen, I'll let you talk about women in your lives that are inspirational or encouraging to you. Alrighty. Um, I feel like it would be a big disservice not to mention our mother. Uh, our mother is, well, at least for me, is and will probably always be the most important woman in my life. Um, we didn't really talk about it much here on, on the podcast yet, but, um, I was going to go hopefully more in depth into it, uh, for like Mother's Day or something like that, but um, yes, our our mother uh, raised us on her own for the most part. Um, my father and my mother separated when I was two years old, uh, and she moved away. She moved like a whole state away uh, from her family and from all of the the influence of the people in her life and took her kids with her and raised us in a small community away from we were born in Southern California and a lot of our family still lives out there and we'll visit mm. from time to time our grandparents live out there my mom's whole family pretty much lives in Southern California right and um, she took her kids away from there and uh Raised us in a smaller community where people were more accepting, more loving, and it was a safer life just all around. Uh, and it's still where we live. Uh, I moved away from this area uh, after high school, but then I moved back afterwards and uh, been here ever since. So this this area that we live in, I've known for like 28 years because that's how it's it's just been my whole life and our mother raised five sons by herself for the vast majority of the time that i've known her and uh has always been just a really strong foundation and um i have so much respect for her for one working as much as she needed to in order to support her five sons 
and um, always being there, trying to be the best mom that she could. Um, tried to raise us respectful, polite, and good kids. My mom has told us that uh, there have been more than one occasion where she's like dropped Smiter and I off at like a daycare or like a kids club or whatever. And people always say how well-behaved and polite we are. And that, that's all because of how our mother raised us to be, you know, polite. Say, please, thank you. Um, use all the magic words and just be, be good people. Um, a lot of people that I hang out with, um, like Discord and stuff, uh... Uh, I, I pride myself in being the kind of person that can be there to listen whenever people need to like mm -hmm. talk about something or just need to vent about life or just need somebody to be there for them. And I, I greatly thank my mother for kind of instilling that kind of um, person in me as well as, you know, raising us in faith and uh, just... I, she, she will often say that she doesn't think she did a good job raising us, but, um, we all love her, we all respect her, and we all, um, use her as an example of how to raise our own kids, and many of my brothers that have kids now do follow the same rule set that she did, uh, and instilled in us growing up. So, um, hmm. I have a lot of respect and love for our mother. She she doesn't live in the area anymore. She went and moved to go live with one of our other brothers, um, and is helping with uh, childcare out there since childcare. So she gets to be with some of her grand. She gets to be with some of her grandchildren then and get to hang out with them. So that's pretty cool. Yes. Um, well, we miss her, and I know that she listens to Will's podcast now, because I've hooked her up <laughs> with that. Because uh, <laughs> we we've talked about her a couple of times on the podcast now, and um, mm -hmm. definitely somebody that I I care very much for and respect. And um, people have often asked me, "Hey, if you were to win the lottery or something like that, what what would you?" What would you do with your money? What would you buy? What would you spend it on? What would you get? Would you get like a mansion and like a big yard and like would you buy a bunch of cars? And the the first thing that always pops in my head is I want to make sure that my mom is taken care of for the rest of her life. Yeah. And so that she doesn't have to worry about anything for for the rest of her life. And then maybe I'll get something for myself afterwards. Gotcha. But yeah, um, I don't, I don't really look towards celebrities or, or other people that I don't know personally as, uh, like I respect them, but the, the person that's always going to mean the most to me, uh, for probably the rest of my life is, is going to be my mother. Mm -hmm. Brother. Okay. So it's interesting because I... I more or less feel the same way when it comes to mom. And 
I, uh, I try to think back on, um, just the sheer impact that she's had on my life, just being as pivotal as she is. And I also think about, because sometimes when I'm asked about influential figures in my life, I sometimes default to like a short list of men that have influenced my life in a positive way. Uh, but when it comes to women, it's almost singularly mom. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that should more or less speak volumes to her prominence. Because it's not like mom was less important or that I didn't really draw that much influence from other women in my life. It's that mom was so constant and mom was so present that um, it's easy to just think, oh, it's it's my mom when it comes to women. Like the most positive influences in my life when it comes to women is my mom. And Jingle is more or less, you know, more or less brought up all the points that that I wanted to touch on. The only other things I can think of is how I, w I went through a lot of weird stuff when I was young. And because I was so different from all my brothers, uh, mom had a sort of a difficult time pegging down exactly how to uh, how to nurture me in the right direction okay and you know she did her best she did her best with what she had she she didn't she didn't even reach high school she got pregnant when she was young mm -hmm. so limited when it comes to education and limited and when it and how it comes to uh, actually having a healthy knowledge of how to raise a kid. But, you know, she did her best, and I appreciate every last bit of that. I still call her every once in a while. And um, part of me always feels like I should call her again. Like, almost right afterwards. Like, just to see how she's doing. But I think the biggest draw I've ever taken from her is how in times of crisis when things that got bad or when things outside of our family came crashing down on us the passing of my father times when money was tough mom would go into this mindset where she would she had this incredible level of focus that I always want to have that I always try to strive to have in a crisis and mm. it's you could always tell. You can always tell when somebody is in control of themselves in a crisis situation. When everybody else is panicking yeah. and they're wondering what's going on. But there's always that one person that is the most calm and is able to see the picture the clearest. And that was always mom. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I, yeah, gotcha. that's wow. that's sort of my biggest takeaway from that. Mm. So I'm going to present this out there. Based on the way I was talking about y'all's mom, y'all's mom is one of my heroes too now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, another group of people that I did not mention, and I do want to, I, I definitely don't want to leave this topic 
without mentioning them. Uh, when I was growing up, especially when I was in early education, uh, first of all, I was born left-handed, fun fact. And because I was born left-handed in the 60s and 70s, well, 70s, probably I was born in 73, like I said, uh, they didn't have left-handed chair, left-handed desk. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that would force you to work right-handed because, you know, the desks were right-hand desk. So if you tried to write with your left hand, they would do, some teachers would, would, would discourage you verbally. Some teachers would smack you with their rulers or whatever to try to get you not to write that way and different things like that so that you would learn to write with your, with the right hand like everybody else. Um, so it's real funny because when I broke my right hand when I was 13, I realized real quick how easy it is for me to switch back to left-handed writing. I never say I'm ambidextrous because I'm not ambidextrous because I can't continually mentally make myself write with both hands or make myself draw with both hands, which that'd be the ideal. Yeah. In a perfect world, I'd be able to draw with both hands, but I can't do that with both hands because I'm so mentally trained to do it with my right. Um, but that said, I had some teachers uh, that fought for me. I was a kid that grew up. I stuttered a bit. Actually, I stuttered a lot growing up. And so not only did I stutter a lot, uh, I had a diagnosable brain issue that caused me to just, I, it wasn't a retardation in my brain. Mm-hmm. It's just that it took, it takes, and sometimes it still takes me a bit to learn things. Like a lot of people learn, they learn things quickly. It takes, I'm a sec, I'm about a step behind sometimes, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But whenever I was in school and I didn't know this, uh, apparently the, uh, people that were over the school board had written this long report about me and basically said that due to all these issues I had, you know, this is how I would not function in society. I wouldn't be able to be in regular classrooms. So it was weird because when I first started going to school, they kept trying to put me in special education classes. And I'm like, why am I in the special education class? I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, and it's not to say this in an insulting way, but it's just like, I'm not like these kids in this class. Like, I can function. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine. It just takes me a little bit more to get it than other people. And, like, these teachers, so Susan Donahue, Betty Jackson, Pam Lanham, uh, and some other teachers that were involved, they really started noticing, like, especially Susan Donahue, uh, she would have me come in while I was in her classroom and she would have me do, because basically on Sunday mornings, I would listen to an old, it was an old black preacher that came on television on Memphis TV. And so I would listen to him every every Sunday morning because my aunt would watch him. And so the thing she noticed about me is that she said, I would come into the classroom on Monday morning and I would start mimicking the sermon. Like I would start just, I'd be sitting in a corner by myself and I'd just start sharing a sermon that I'd heard Sunday morning. And she was like, okay, this kid can't be mentally challenged because how is he able to hear a sermon on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. remember it to Monday morning, and be able to recite it to the whole class every week? Mm-hmm. But this kid is literally taking something he heard a day ago, more than 24 hours at this point. He's able to orate it to these other kids. And she said, I actually started really beginning to understand that Maybe he's not mentally challenged like they're thinking he is. Maybe he's just a little slower. 
but he's not been because eventually he did pick up the alphabet. Eventually he did pick up like in kindergarten, you know. And it was a little bit of social awkwardness because when I was with my aunt, there was a lot of things my aunt didn't really work with me on socially. So like I headbutted my teachers at one point. Like I would I would run up to my teachers and a hug. They would be like, "Okay, come give me a hug," and I'd headbutt them in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And like it wasn't like a I'm trying to hurt you. It was I didn't know how to hug people. Cause I hadn't really gotten a whole lot of hugs in my life to understand what to do in that situation. So my immediate thought was, okay, well, I run toward this person and I do this, but I have to keep my head down the whole time. I didn't understand the social graces. And so that was a lot of why a lot of these people that were in the school boards were looking at me and going, oh, well, he keeps getting in trouble because of this. And these teachers kept going, no, no, no. He just needs to be taught how to act in a room with other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, I don't remember going to daycare. Like, I don't remember doing daycare. I don't remember being around a bunch of kids on a regular basis because my aunt just didn't leave the house that often. I was mostly in the house with my aunt every day. Like, there'd be times where she'd have me playing with dolls out in the front yard and I'd be kung fu kicking them because I'd watched the Bruce Lee movie earlier today. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't have the social graces to understand how to function with the rest of the kids in a classroom setting. But my teachers were the ones that were just like, this kid's smart. This kid has the ability to grab this information and hold on to it. He just has to learn how to act in the classroom environment. So they started really working with me on that stuff. And it took a while. But eventually, like, I remember when I got to Memphis, because I went to Memphis to live in Memphis for a few years, because they never changed the stuff in the official report for the school board. They tried to put me in special education classes again. Mm-hmm. And, like... I didn't understand the why, but I knew I should have been there. And so then they literally came up to that school. Like, they all jumped in the vehicle and were just like, no, this kid does not. We, okay, we understand what the report says, but we have also placed files on his report. He is not this way. He is not mentally challenged. There's some other stuff going on, but he's not mentally challenged. Like, he can function in a regular classroom just fine. And so they really fought for me, especially at a time these are all white teachers. Mm-hmm. They fought for a little black boy at a time where that wasn't something you saw happen, ever. And so, because of course they're all looking at them going, especially in Memphis, they were looking at them and going, well, what are you really trying to do? Are you trying to set him up to fail? It was like, no, we're trying to set him up to succeed. He's going to fail if he feels like he's uh, challenged mentally when he's not. You know, he's, he's, he's very able. Put him in a regular classroom. And I think they challenged him. They said, put him in a regular classroom for six weeks. Let us come back and look at this stuff in six weeks' time. Like, we drove an hour from here to get here to tell you this kid doesn't belong here. Don't you think that's worth something? Like, he's no longer even in our school system. Why would we care unless we care about him mm-hmm. as a kid? And so... Those teachers were teachers that really impacted my world. And they loved me in spite of me in so many ways. Like like I said, I'm pretty sure I probably hurt most of them at some point, not trying to. But it was the fact that they saw something in me then that they saw something in me even in that time. And I know we've talked. I know uh, Miss Dunahue and I have talked a little bit back and forth. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, I never could have imagined this. The world you're in now, I never could have imagined you would be in it. Mm-hmm. it's not that I didn't believe you could do it it's that there were so many forces against you telling you you couldn't and here you are 
mm-hmm. you know, doing these things. And so that's really incredible. So they encourage, you know, of course, they've got their own lives. They've been teaching in some cases for 20 plus years, easily. You know, and so they've got their own lives. So, you know, I don't expect to hear from them on a weekly basis, but, you know, every so often they will, uh, they'll message me and they'll just be like, hey, just thinking about you today. I had a really tough time with this kid today. And I just, I thought about Will. And I mm-hmm. thought about the fact that, you know, Will, Will, what, you know, what would Will have done in this situation? And, and I kind of tried to help encourage that kid, say, I've been with kids like you before. You're going to be okay stuff like that so i really don't want to go outside of this especially it's about women that have encouraged me right without talking about those ladies right you know? and so because it i mean at one point in my life I, I tried to become a teacher it didn't work out for me the way i thought it would uh but it's even led me down another path where it's it, it's a little bit better fit now mm-hmm. but i mean i wanted to be a teacher because i wanted to kind of pay that forward to the kid the next kid that was like me as a kid, because of what those women were willing to do on my behalf. So, right. you know, that's why I write. That's why I create is because, you know, I may not be able to get a classroom and teach 30 or 40 kids, but I can get out there and I can put out product that these kids get to embrace and hear something and be encouraged by it. You know, that mm-hmm. you, know, you can you can do it. Whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. You got to be willing to put in the work, but you can do it. So. I mean, it wouldn't if we hadn't been influenced the way that we had by our mother and you know other women around in our lives that were coming in and out of it. Um, then I don't think we would have had the the drive and the passion to create something like Atomic Derby. Yeah, where we have all these different women coming from different walks of life, but each one of them is going to have their own full story by the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that sort of exposure to different walks of life is really, really important. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, and, you know, like I said earlier, and I kind of reiterate that point, you know, there are, you know, a lot of men that are true men in this world have been shaped by awesome women mm-hmm. in their worlds. I mean, whether it be mothers, whether it be teachers, whether it be coaches on teams, whether it be academic coaches, whether it be guidance counselors. I had Miss Emma Batts, who was the lady who kind of sh- sat me down when I was a junior, sophomore, I think, in high school. It was just like, I was just a sophomore or junior. And she sat me down and she opened up my actual case in front of me, opened up my full academic record and showed me what had been written about me when I was like barely in school. And she said, are you these things? And I said, no. She said, okay. She said, just understand that there are some people that didn't ex- that expect this of you. You don't need to prove them wrong as much as you need to prove you're right about you. Mm-hmm. don't go at it looking at them and saying oh these people said this about me I'm going to prove them wrong because proving them wrong is irrelevant you've already proved them wrong what you have to continue to do is prove yourself right about you and the thing mm-hmm. about it is, is that when you prove yourself right about you that's going to change over time there are going to be things that you expect at one point that are going to be different later there are going to be dreams that you have that are going to be modified. There are going to be things that have happened to you that you're going to then go, oh, wait, I can go after that? That's an option? 
I said, let me go after that. You know, but she sat me down and she said, these are things that you're going to have to continue to pursue if you want them. Don't let this define who you are. Because for so long, people put that down and they thought this is what defines you. But you have already shown them that it doesn't. So I'd like to offer something, unless uh, unless you have another uh, another point oh, no. you want to make. Well, no, no, go ahead. No, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to uh, take some time and think about some of our favorite um, female characters in stories that we like. You know. Okay, like, definitely. Uh, so we, uh, and we can definitely do that. Do we, we probably need to roll out the break? Mm-hmm. Yes, and then come back in, and then talk about fictional female characters that we enjoy that we like. Okay, and we're all for there. So after these messages, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Like Valkyrie riding in on her, her chariot with her horses drawn and her pegasi, getting ready to fly off into the sunset. We have returned, and in honor of International Women's Day, we're going to continue talking about fictional female characters that we we like and that we appreciate. So I will let the Rasco brothers in whichever order they choose to go first on that so they can talk about their favorite female characters in fiction. So She-Hulk. Okay. Pretty great. Pretty great. I don't think I really need to explain it too much but in case I do, let me explain myself. (laughs) She-Hulk has this wonderful sort of arc and trajectory for her character because Jen Walters, this very sheepish little attorney, ends up getting the super Hulk juice blood from her cousin. And when she does, she learns how to Hulk out. Or as Mark Ruffalo said in Avengers Endgame, Hulk out! And... (laughs) Professor Hulk is so awkward, but I love it. Yeah. And when... I say it's interesting because unlike Bruce, she has uh, actually maining full cognitive control of herself (laughs) as She-Hulk. And there's this really fascinating journey of self-discovery because She-Hulk is parts of Jen, but amplified, more confident more um, self-assured and hold on just a second yeah go ahead just uh, let me blow my nose okay so I'm gonna ask a question while you do that Uh, so would you say that Jen Walters before she Hulk is Jen Walters normal lawyer at law and so forth and then when she due to I believe her getting shot by some guys that she was trying to try and uh, convict and then Bruce just happened to be there. So Bruce set up an emergency blood transfusion where he knew that he and his cousin had the same matching blood type. And so he was able to administer the transfusion, but of course then administered the gamma radiation from his body into her blood as well. And so there was a bit of a time where I believe she was a savage She-Hulk at first. That's right. I believe when the series initially started, she was savage. And then over time, she slowly learned how to kind of bring the two minds together into a whole new person. To where That's it right. was kind of Jennifer turned up to 10, turned up to volume, with the volume turned up to 11. Right. So 
Broad strokes. Broad strokes. She didn't have She-Hulk powers. Now she has She-Hulk powers. But the cool thing about her character is that she has these moments where she thinks, is it She-Hulk or is it me? And why would I ever want to turn back to Jen Walters if I could be this full version of myself? And then she eventually learns how to accept all of it. Not just yep. the big, powerful She-Hulk version, but Jen Walters inside of She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys uh, know the reason why She-Hulk exists in the first place? Brother, tell me why She-Hulk exists in the first place. Do you know why? Let's well? talk about it. <laughs> I don't know the exact reason. I remember reading a lot of the books, but I never really understood the origin of what happened that brought her about. Yeah. Not necessarily like her origin story or anything like that so much as like what was going on behind the scenes that caused She-Hulk to happen. And that was because uh, around that time when the Hulk was really popular and stuff like that, there was uh, uh, there was a, a little a little uh, indie hit on TV referred to as uh, the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh yes, little little indie hit. Not many people know Not about everybody it. Everybody knows. Not about everybody it. knows about the Six Million Dollar Man. It wasn't like it was the biggest TV show at the time. That's right. Yeah, 18 and the first time the name, the, the first time that the name Steve Austin was ran around prior to there being glass breaking and yes. beer swilling and, you know, Austin 316s and everything. There was another Steve Austin prior. And that's correct. This was that version of Steve Austin. So um, another TV company saw how popular Six Million Dollar Man was. They were like, we need to do that, but we need to do it legally distinct from that. And so they created... The Bionic Woman. Yep. And the Bionic Woman was also a massive success. And uh, Stan Lee and the guys, they were getting... Hulk was being put out on TV. And people were like, Hulk is the best thing ever. We <laughs> love it. Oh my gosh. Lou Ferrigno, Bill Bixby, best, best. ever. The best ever. Our there mother... Yes, love the original Hulk she show. Did. She and still actually, does. actually, I got her uh, DVD set. Yeah, we did. Uh, for her birthday. Oh. We yeah, but I topped it by getting her a full Thundercats set too. And then I topped that again by getting her a full Wonder Woman TV show Damn set. It. <laughs> Dude, I love this, this. Is the kind of competition that is awesome. Yes. So anyway, go ahead. Um, and so there are like. What if somebody tries to make a girl Hulk and tries to tries to like capitalize on how powerful and how how popular and amazing the Hulk is? And so they decided to be preemptive about it and create their own female Hulk to make sure that nobody else can try and hoard in on this action. And that's how <laughs> She-Hulk was created. No, you don't get it. Gotcha. They could do Hulk, but a girl. But a girl, though. What if Hulk... <laughs> But was a girl. But was girl? Yeah. Hulk but was girl. <laughs> and it turns out she was fun. Yeah, she was great. She was fun. She broke the fourth wall before Deadpool ever did. Before Deadpool oh. ever did. And bro, tell me about the comic code's authority joke again. Oh, you want to hear that joke? Yeah, again? tell me that joke. I don't again. remember like it one hundred percent. But like, you know, she got all big and her her clothes got all torn up and somebody in the comics 
was all like, wow, Jen, how is it that, like, you're still, like, covered as much as necessary? It's just like, oh, it's because this is special fabric company. And it holds up, like, a part of her skirt and it says Comics Code Authority on it. Like, that's pretty strong. There we go. That's the, the strongest material in the entire comics world. So I will submit uh, for this She-Hulk into this uh, competition of of strong female of, stro- of strong female women that I think are very cool in and strong female characters. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure nobody's going to be able to beat me on this. I won't fight you on that. Well, you got to get you got to drop one. No, I I'll, I'll drop my own. Okay. You want Will to go first or do you got one? I don't Will you get you want you got one in in the chamber already? I always have a few in the chamber, but uh the one I'm going to drop in the chamber right now uh, she comes from a land in Africa. She do, was do, known do, do, as do, the Mistress do, do. of the Sea. She was a, no, not Mistress of the Sea. Sorry, Mistress of the Winds in Africa. Do, 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 she she controlled do, 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 the weather, and uh, yes, yeah, she she would she would she would bless the rains out in Africa, but she would also bring yeah. the rains from Africa. She is the one known as Storm, ladies and gentlemen, or Aurora Monroe. Aurora Monroe. Uh, uh, Will, her name is Aurora Monroe. Roro. 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 Ro. If you're going to bring her up, you need to be using her proper name. Anyway, yes, Aurora Monroe, uh, as you all will comment, you love her storm. Uh, I think my first exposure to her, we're going to go back to the Uncle Wu and my dad with the big bags of comic books swapping each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The... The the first exposure I had to Storm, and this would have been precursor to the X Men cartoon, was back when they had the whole uh, Morlocks challenge, where Storm basically challenged the leader of the Morlocks, and then she won the battle. And this was back when she had the leather jacket with the mohawk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and you got to remember, Grace Jones was huge back then. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, this woman's beautiful. She's black and she's rocking a mohawk like Grace Jones. What the heck? Who is this girl? And so then I started reading more of the comics about her. And like, you found out things like she was claustrophobic, like horribly claustrophobic. Like she would almost kill the other X-Men just to keep herself out of a tight space. Like yeah. It was bad. Um, but she would, you know, of course, and it, it kind of fit with her powers because you think about like, you can't contain a storm. You know what I mean? If you think about it that way, it works on a totally different level. Uh, but she was always meant to be kind of out and about and in the winds. And you know, she had to, at one point, she rocked that really cool black outfit with a really beautiful cape. And she had the full white hair and like the eyes would go white. And she would just literally, like her whole body would look like it was part of the wind and she's doing things. And, you know, she'd be hitting people with lightning bolts and p- freezing the ground under the juggernaut, for example, and or. You know, blow. You know, just all sorts of creative ways of using her powers. And another thing, she was the first person I knew to control the weather before Captain Planet came along. Yeah. You know, so. But I mean, I think she was really cool. She represented that world of kind of the African type world before I really knew who Black Panther was. Before I really understood who Power Man was and a lot of other black characters in comic books. I would say Storm was really that first eye catching powerful woman who really exemplified kind of that strength that women have 
you know, it's not just in the power, but she carried herself well when she wasn't. Like, at one point, she becomes, like, the head professor of the Xavier School. Like, she does stuff like that. You know, she would go in and be, like, part of the embassy team. I mean, she married Black Panther. Yep. You know, yes, not many did. women can... Not many women can stand in that position. And, you know, like at one point in some of the other comics, you see her like stand up to like Namor. Like yeah. Namor was like acting a fool. And he, she just comes up to her and is like, you will stop this action. You will stop speaking to our teammates this way. You will respect us. You will treat us as equals because we're all here for the same purpose. And he's just like, yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> like Namor understood like that there was his kind of crazy and then there was black girl crazy. And he knew he didn't want to go up against that. I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> I, like the, I like the idea of Namor, air quotes, acting the fool. Yeah. <laughs> he tended to do that a lot. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he tended to, like, he'd come up on the dry land, and then after, the longer he'd be out of water, he'd just start acting the fool, like... He start beating up people and trying to whoop people and stuff like that. Imperius Rex, and he just go nuts. That's right. Can you believe that Namor was one of the first Marvel superheroes? I can. He was. He's uh, he's bounced was, around a lot <laughs> as far he, he as was like, personality and like oh, other yeah. things like that. Sure, goes. sure. And even in his own book, he sometimes ends up being kind of schizophrenic in yep. a way. And uh, until, of course, they revealed that actually he wasn't the first mutant that they retconned that Apocalypse technically was. Yep. Oh, man, that's right. Yep. Oh, man, retcons. I think we need to retcons. have an entire episode where we talk about retcons. I mean, there are some nasty ones going on. Well, there are some nasty reboots going on in comics right now. Yeah, not even reboots. <laughs> like, reboots are pretty nasty, but retcons, I oh, think, yeah. are even worse. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, man. Now we have a three-way relationship going on in the X-Men world between Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey. Yep. And that's just like, I don't even want to understand why the comic creators are thinking this is a good idea at all. Because, Will, Will, drama, relationship drama sells things. That's why the WB is so popular. Oh, I thought you meant the CW. Sorry. I uh, to say, yeah. yeah, the yeah. I think you mean the CW on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh... I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you right now, though. My first exposure to Storm was the 90s X-Men cartoon. Yes. And that made me fall in love with her right away. Absolutely. I loved it. As a child, and by child I mean teenager, as a teenager, I liked Storm more than Rogue. And everybody was like, oh, Rogue's so beautiful, and, and all this and that. I'm like, Storm Doe. <laughs> Storm Doe. Yeah. Um, you were talking about She-Hulk earlier. There's an old episode of the old 80s Hulk cartoon, which I have the whole thing on DVD, which is all of like eight episodes, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> where there's a whole episode where Jennifer is trying to teach Bruce how to control the transformation. So, like, they're basically going through this whole thing where, like, this... And, again, Jennifer Walters is this lawyer, and she's trying to put away these mafia people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she already has the power to She-Hulk. So, like, you find out these mafia people actually work for Hydra. Of course <laughs> and they so, do. they go through this whole thing where, like, it's, like, Jen and... Uh, 
Jen and Bruce are like in a lab, and they're trying to basically retrofit the the blood transfusion, so that hopefully he can gain some of his control over the Hulk. Yeah, and then. And then she can kind of, you know, she kind of does that. But the problem is, of course, she starts off a little bit more savage because they're transfusing their blood between the two of them. But then somewhere in the process, like the Rick Rick Jones, who Rick Jones is kind of the MacGuffin wow. of all that theories. Because yeah. every time you turn around, it's like, oh, Rick Jones is kidnapped by this gas. You know, Dude. oh, my gosh, she wasn't there to push the button at this specific time. So now the transformation's over. And so then they both end up becoming the Hulk. And then there's a point wherever, like, they calm down, like, they calm down and shrink and become better and gin again. And so then they're in a car, and then at one point, like, the Hydra takes over the car, and they're, like, going over a cliff. And, mm -hmm. like, Jennifer's like, Dad, come it. I just ruined this, uh, I just, I just bought this dress. It's a nice beautiful dress it is. You know, I'm going to have to rip it open, though. And then, like, Bruce is like, oh, no, come on. They're going to lead us to where they're going. She's like, cousin? Like yeah, unless they live in a water, under, live uh, under a cliff. I'm pretty sure they try to kill us. <laughs> and yeah. so, even in that show, it's like you can kind of tell that Jen has been a little bit more seasoned toward the world, whereas Bruce is just kind of more like I'm just trying to help science because science, you know, but it didn't always work in the real world that great. And yeah. so, hey, correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Rick Jones eventually become a bomb? You know, yes, he did. I thought so. Rick he Jones did become a bomb, which is basically a blue. Which is basically a blue version of abomination. That's right. Right. So call a bomb, they, and he called and himself they, that. And then they created uh, Team Smash, or what was it? Uh, Agents, Agents of Smash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agents of Smash. Yeah, because that doesn't sound like a horrible name with some other stuff that we're not going to mention on here at of all. Not. Oh, we'll call ourselves Smash. Oh, great. That's uh, cool. Can we get somebody else in charge of the naming thing instead of Bruce? Well, what about you, Rick? I don't know. I like Smash. Of course you would, Rick. I'm a big fan of Smash. All right, well, let's try. All right, what about you, Red Hulk, or Rolk, I guess, as the kids call you? What do you think about that? Uh, I feel like if I disagree with Hulk, it'll be because I hate him. <laughs> Not because I think which, it's a bad name. <laughs> which secretly I do hate him. Doesn't really matter. I yeah. mean, you know. Yo, does Clancy Brown always play the best Red Hulk? I hope so. I always think I, I, in my mind, if you're gonna get somebody to be the voice of Red Hulk, get Clancy Brown. Get Clancy Brown. He's the best. Mm. I love him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until it's the voice of uh, William Hurt, because that's going to be the next Red Hulk. We're going to be seeing him, apparently, they've confirmed. He will be, you'll see the introduction of him in Black Widow. Yep. And then he's going to end up showing up in the She-Hulk series that Disney Plus does next year. So, it's about time. So, really quick about uh, Clancy Brown. He has played three guys I can think of. Who are red skinned? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, he has. He's played Red Hulk. Yep. He's played yep. that uh, demon-looking guy from the Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't remember his name. And he's yep, played. I know Mr. what you're about. And he's Mr. Krebs. And he's played Mr. Krebs. Yes. Yes. And he's he played Lex Luthor, which totally. Brown. I'm a big fan. He played. Of he played Lex Luthor as well, which yes, has did. nothing to do with red people, but. Uh, Funny I mean, fact, if he stays out in the episode... sun too long, he'll turn red. 
This is true. Here's another <laughs> fun fact. Technically, for a short time, he was the Flash. Uh, yes. Oh, God. no. There was we don't a count that. Was... Nope, nope, we don't count that. We don't count that. He took <laughs> well, off no, the mask. That... He didn't even know who he was. He didn't know who Wally exactly. West was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, but it still counts as somebody being red. <laughs> no, wow. Technically, That's a stretch. Technically, Wally isn't red either. It's no. just his costume. <laughs> We're talking about okay, red-skinned so individuals. So, okay, fine. So, <laughs> so check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So check it out. So Clancy Brown played Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor went into into Wally West's body. Wally West's costume is red. Therefore, Clancy Brown played a red man in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way loopholes work, okay? He's the loophole man, bro. We were establishing this in a Crafting Cosplayer stream recently. What was that? Um, we, were, we were establishing in, in uh, Crafting Cosplayer's recent stream yeah. uh, that Will is the loophole guy. And if he can find a loophole for find, anything, yes, yes. He, will, he will bring yeah. it up. We were talking about Star Trek. And Walk we were talking about this. we were talking about the different races of of the people in Star Trek, That's right? right? And well, no, people are saying let's, like, let's for this. "Hold on, let me let, let, let me just get through this real quick." Will. Let it finish. Let it finish. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I gotta hear this. I gotta. So hear. we were like, "Crafty cosplayer, what would you be?" And she's all like, "I think I would be a Betazoid or something like that." And like. Uh, her family was all like, "No, nah, you'd be like a Vulcan that couldn't like control yourself or something," and yeah. like all these jokes. Yeah. And I was just all like, "I think at best I might be a Romulan, but let's be honest, I'll probably be more of a Ferengi." <laughs> <laughs> and and Will, bless his heart, yeah. doesn't know as much about Star Trek. Sure, as sure, not he's, at all. He's knowledge about many, many, many things. Many His knowledge things. is vast. Yes. He just hasn't been that exposed sure, to Star Trek. Yes. Uh, but he was all like, uh, in the comics one time, the Green Lantern Corps teamed up with the Star Trek people, so can I be a Green Lantern? That, that's not a race. <laughs> you, Will, you should know this. You should know that Green Lantern is not a race. Yeah. I understand that, but at that point, I was sitting there going, like, I don't know enough about a lot of the races in Star Trek to qualify in this conversation, so. In the end, we decided that he should be maybe, like, either a half or a quarter Klingon. A quarter Klingon? Yeah, because Worf's son is a quarter Klingon. Oh, boy. Because he was all like, I want to be like Worf. And I was like, you don't want to be Worf, like Worf. Worf is half Klingon. Yeah, you you don't want to be like Worf. Yeah, you want to be a little bit no, less Klingon. Everybody than Worf. wants to be like Worf. No, and, and when he said when he said he wanted to be like Worf, I was all like, well, Will does have a lot of honor. Yeah, he does. He does have a lot of honor. <laughs> He's all about honor. <laughs> this podcast has no honor. <laughs> <laughs> but Crafty Cosplay was like, I don't see Will with a batlift running around killing people though. Yeah, she's it's like, yeah, I, wouldn't, just like, I wouldn't imagine you know, him with a batlift. I was like, well, if I was having to defend someone's life or defend my own life, then maybe, but not something I'm going to proactively go do, just start a war. Right. But he's big, strong. I was thinking, yeah, half clean. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. With a bat lift. Not like, uh, what is it, Seven of Nine is her name? Seven of Nine is uh, is Borg. Yeah, she's Borg, She's right? human, but she, she was a is Borg she, that got now, fixed. Now that we're up in Star Trek, would you make yeah. her your pick? My pick? What was your pick? For Will? No, no, for a lady. Oh, for a lady. Yeah. Oh, we're bringing it back now. I'm trying. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Seven of Nine is okay. <laughs> I need to do? watch. I need she's, to watch. She just more. interface with the ship. Yeah, she talks to the computer. She's Nichelle Nichols. <laughs> she does, she's Michelle Nichols. I should tell you everything. <laughs> Nichelle Nichols was there. I just saw like uh, the computer says we're under attack. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? And then boom. Oh, yeah, Star Trek shake. Star, Star Trek shake. Oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to choose. If we're going to stick with comics, I can think of a few. We've so far been sticking with Marvel comics. Yeah. What? So, well, like, yeah, okay. I mean, no, cool. I just, wanted, I just want everybody to know we've already developed a trend. Right. So what did you pick? Well, if Will was done, then I... Oh, I'll... yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm Will, done. Will I'm went done. off on a tangent. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> You're proactively cutting Will. I off. know Will is done when we're talking about something that has nothing to do with the original thing. He's not wrong. <laughs> okay. Bless you, Will. If you're done, then we'll move on. I, I am done. Yes. Continue, please right. continue. And no, uh, Doctor Crusher would definitely Bev Crusher would be way higher on my list than Bev Seven of Crusher? Nine. Crusher. Bev Crusher is the best. But I'm not talking about. But Beth what Crusher. about her? What about her young boy, Wesley Crusher? He's not even blipping on my radar, <laughs> for he is not a woman, and this is International Women's Day. That's true. <laughs> um, let me see, because uh, you you got a strong pick with Storm and uh, and She Hulk. She Hulk. Uh, honestly, like. Uh, I really liked Kitty Pride for a very long time. Shadow Cat. I liked her for a long time. Let's try time. to get out of the X-Men. Yeah. Let's move away from the X-Men. Because <laughs> we could just say ladies from the X-Men. Right. Um, it's Psylocke, by the way. <laughs> Psylocke, by the way. I actually don't like Psylocke that much. I don't think she's bad, but I need to know her more. Sure. I can't, I can't just base my opinions on somebody just by their looks. Even if they're drawn by well, Jim Lee. I mean, that yeah, helps. That helps. It does help, but I mean, the fact that we had a lady who was British, yeah. who was the sister of Captain Britain, yep. and then got controlled by the Mandarin, and then all of a sudden she's a smoking hot, like, Lucy Liu mixed with Michelle Yeoh-style Asian wo assassin woman, yeah. who looks like, a, who's dressed like Electra all of a sudden, with psionic blades, For, they never really explained that. Like, they never really explain how they changed her Will. body Will. Oh, and all Will. that stuff up. I no, got, I know the reason. I, I, I know the reason, too. Yeah, go ahead. Comics are weird. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the long and short of it is, and this is a thing that I bring up with people that are yes. like, oh, Psylocke's the best. I love Psylocke. She's yeah. so hot. Yeah, 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 people yeah. who say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell them, I'm all like, you know that body that you think is so hot isn't hers. No. No, she, not even a little she, bit. She stole that yeah. from an assassin yeah. that was sent to kill her, and then she mind-swapped with him. Yeah. And so this this beautiful Asian Lucy Liu... Like uh, uh, Gina Carano crossover. <laughs> crossover. Michelle, yo. Don't forget, don't forget Michelle, yo. I did forget Michelle, yo. <clears throat> and I, I apologize. I apologize to Michelle, yo. Wherever she is. Michelle, if you want to come onto the podcast and berate me, please uh, please do. Please do so. 
Okay, if Michelle Yeoh comes on this podcast, first of all, thank you guys for encouraging that idea because I'm so messaging her after this. Uh, <laughs> if she wants to willing to come on this podcast, let me interview her. I just did. Okay, hey guys, you have to not have anything going on right now. We're about to interview Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, stop what you're doing. That's right. So yeah, no, she she mind swapped with somebody, and so everybody that is just like, oh, she's so hot. That's not her original body, no. but I appreciate that. No. And I right. there there's something inside of me that's kind of grossed out with the yeah. idea of you like googling this. The, like, that's yeah, like, that's well, not them. Baseline, baseline. We we absolutely oogle over these ladies, right? However, however, there is something odd about. Knowing that the lady inside of that body is not the original lady. Yeah, that's a different no. lady in there. Yeah, and Absolutely. I love Psylocke. I think she's great. Yeah, but it's always something that I I want to remind people of every yeah. time people go crazy over yeah, yeah, Psylocke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Psylocke though. Yeah. Um, gosh, I like Domino a lot too. Domino. I want to think about that. Falls in this really interesting sort of category for me, where she's. I don't know if it's the like the pale blue skin or something. Right. But she's incredibly attractive. She's very pretty. Yeah. Domino is very pretty. Yeah. I like and her design. Yo, in in Deadpool 2 though, that Domino is also very oh, like Oh gosh, that Domino. I couldn't stop staring at her for like the entire movie. I know, right? Feel bad. I think that was probably, <laughs> I think that was part of the casting choice. I think they were just like we need to get somebody who when she puts this all on, you know, People are just staring at her and not paying attention to the other stuff that she's actually doing on the screen. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think luck is exactly a very cinematic skill. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, my my original thing was going to be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Nice. Um, okay. Well, that's a strong one. That's a strong one. And that's there's a lot of things about Belle that I... Um, that I admire and love and um, really enjoy uh, seeing more of. Uh, but uh, yeah, Belle was always like very like um, independent, very like doing things her own way and not falling in with like what people were expecting of her, what people wanted of her. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, she, she was independent and smart. No, no, brother. She wasn't independent enough. We need to change that for the live action movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> she she's not independent enough. That's what I said. She needs to be more so. <laughs> she needs to be going out of her way to be teaching young girls how to read. That's right. Teaching a girl how to read. How weird is that? It's so Um, but yeah, um, Belle. Yeah, she's she's always gonna be like probably my most favorite uh, female character from Disney. Not just like favorite Disney princess or anything like that. Just my favorite character because she's right. She's smart, um, and really like the entire movie is like people are like trying to control her, sure, and yeah. make her fall into this like thing. Sometimes literally imprison her. In in at the beginning, society is all like she's a weirdo and needs to be behaving in a certain way, 
And so, like, she's she's kind of, like, being forced into, like, a thing that way. But she's fighting back uh, already. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, helping her dad invent things and, like, uh, being there for him, taking care of him. Right. Uh, Maurice, I, I always kind of... Um, I imprinted on Maurice a lot as a kid uh, because he reminded me of my own father. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, like, older gentlemen that I've known in my life have always, like, reminded me of my father a lot. Be like... Um, uh, I know his name. Who played Odin? Oh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. I see him in things, and I, I, I can see my father in that, um, and a lot of other older gentlemen. So the fact that she was like there for him and always like taking care of him and like encouraging him and stuff like that, that was always like a big thing for me, um, and like. Uh, you know, she she reads, she expands her own mind, and um, she is willing to give up her freedom for mm-hmm. her father, right? And is one hundred percent ready to like be a prisoner in that tower, yeah, and to save her dad, yeah, to save her dad, yeah. And uh, um, you know, the beast is all like, you 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 can have a room. And she's like, "Oh, you're not I, gonna make me stay in the tower." It's like, you can stay here if you want. I like, I like that the beast. If you really think about it, he picked her up as a prisoner just out of spite in the moment. But as soon as she actually becomes his prisoner, he probably went to his room and was all like, "Oh man, what do I do? What do I do now?" <laughs> I had an old man that I was really mad at, but then she traded places with him. What and do now I, do? I have this young woman at my place. I have no idea what to do. Yeah, <laughs> but um, a lot. A lot of people will always complain, like, oh, she only likes him because of Stockholm Syndrome and, okay. you know, yeah. all this other stuff. And it's just something that I, I have always, like, hard disagreed with. Like, Stockholm Syndrome is definitely a thing, but right. she didn't really, like, fall in love with him until after he set her free. That's right. After he gave her that choice. After he go. was all like, you you can go, you're free. And because she did go, take off. Go, go be with your dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because he was, because uh, that's when he was finally all like, "Hey, look, I, uh, I don't really have a reason to have you here. Mm-hmm. I just sort of agreed in the moment, and like in the heat of the moment, I was like, yeah, sure, uh, make her a prisoner.' And now I don't know what to do because I've never had a prisoner before. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, Belle has always been one of my favorite characters, just in general, and I've always had a had a fondness for her and so bell is definitely gonna always be up there for me mm-hmm. as far as like marvel characters go just because i i want to bring it back and and uh be involved in this in this uh group that you guys have formed over here <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you um, want to join our club yo i want to join your club um i've always liked black cat a lot also um because black cat oh, is just my. Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Um, I know She's that like the Catwoman to the Batman. She is like the Catwoman to the Batman. She all like, yo, Spider Man, let's go steal stuff. And Spider Man's all like, with great power comes great responsibility. And then she's all like, that's so hot. That's so hot. You're so responsible. <laughs> but um, 
Black Cat is is always been one that I've 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 had a fondness for and really likes. Um, but yeah, uh, Black Cat would probably be my my Marvel choice. I could probably think about it more. I like Jean Grey a lot, but she's the writers have gone quality wise back and forth with her a lot that it's hard for me to choose someone like Jean Grey. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not wrong. So. It all depends on who's writing her and what arc she's in. Sometimes she's the best, sometimes she's the worst. Yeah. Sometimes she's a really young one that gets pulled out of time and all that stuff. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get ready to wrap this up. We do want to mention that uh, originally we were going to be talking to Crafting Cosplayer today yeah. uh, concerning some projects and things she was working on. Unfortunately, she's got some family stuff that came up, and so she wasn't going to be able to join us today on the show, but we definitely want to get her on at some point and talk to her about the project she's working on and things like that. We're going to really dedicate this whole episode to her. We're still going to talk about her about our projects, but I mean, you know, with it being International Women's Day, we kind of felt like it would be a good day to focus on the crafting cosplayer and talk about things she's got going on. So I want to thank you gentlemen as always for a great uh, podcast and great conversation. Yes, bro. Well, really quick uh, before we go, because I know uh, we're pressing for time really quick. Uh, Favorite female wrestlers. Just really quick. Lightning round. I uh, said Stratus. Oscar. Jazz. Jazz. <laughs> and then you, bro. Trish Stratus. Nice. All right. Keep going, Will. <laughs> uh, female wrestlers. Um, hold on. Uh, Lita. Oh, no, no, no. I'd like, go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. I didn't know. I thought we were saying we we're going to... Miss Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, yeah, Miss Elizabeth, man, yeah. <laughs> all right, so anyway, guys, listen, thank you so much for rocking with us on another fun episode of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. I greatly appreciate you rocking out with us um, on this show. Thank you to the Rascal Brothers for being willing to come on with me and join me. You guys got any, uh, uh, any quick uh, shout-outs you want to do before we get out of here? Oh, yeah, because we haven't been doing the uh, weekly recommendations. I've been holding on to this oh, yes. for a long time. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll wrap it up. I just wanted to to shout out um, the podcast that I've been listening to a lot at work is uh, this podcast called Cosmonaut Tabletop. And it's run by uh, a guy on YouTube called Cosmonaut Variety Hour um, uh-huh. who, who does a lot of um, movie reviews and is big into comic book movies and star wars and a bunch of stuff like that his podcast is actually a gaming podcast where he and his friends uh they play D, but the one that i've been listening to a lot is he's playing a role-playing game called star wars edge of the empire which is a role-playing Ooh. game but based in star wars and uh yeah he, he runs the campaign and he and his friends are, are doing a campaign that's set um about seven years after the empire has been established so before a new hope but after revenge of the sith nice uh which i think is an amazing uh time to explore when it comes to the star wars timeline um and so it's been really entertaining and they're like references to star wars and they're like jokes that they throw out and just it's really entertaining and they're a nice like about an hour to an hour and a half long chunks Per episode um he doesn't okay. like you he doesn't like you um has been really great and i've been really enjoying that cosmonaut variety hour it's available on itunes and on spotify and i think others but those are the ones yo when are we gonna play pathfinder 
Yo, when are we going to play Pathfinder, well, though? You know, uh, when we get that stuff we need so we can make characters. Exactly. Because I've been asking y'all for the links and stuff for a while. I hadn't gotten those yet. I need to get so, them from Pie Man. I'm so we're waiting on you? Okay. We're waiting on Pie Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take the blame. Pie Man, get us the help we need, man. Yes. We got but, it. It's all right. All right. My weekly recommendation is Ghost of the Shell standalone complex anime. It's really good. All it's right. very good. There's a lot of fantastic world building. The art is fantastic. The animation is great. And holy cow, that opening theme. That opening theme, Inner Universe, is uh, fantastic. By the artist Origa. And... That is my weekly recommendation. My weekly recommendation, real quick, is Shirtless Bear Fighter, because it's an awesome comic book done by Image Comics. Uh, basically, it's everything that you need to know in the title, Shirtless Bear Fighter. There's a guy, he's shirtless, he fights bears. <laughs> That's all you need to know right off the bat. It's not for kids at okay. all. Uh, but I will give you real quick just the slogan of it, which is, sometimes God makes a man that is too much of a man for the world. Okay. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Totally Sometimes. contradictory to everything we've been talking about up to this point. But just trust me, there's a shirtless guy fighting bears. That's really all you need to know about this exceptionally awesome book. They've traded it, all that fun stuff. Yeah, so there you go. Metal. Uh, so, oh, it is. Oh, it is. Trust me. Speaking of metal, that's another recommendation for a future show. So, listen, everybody, thank you so much for rocking out with us here on another fun episode of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. <laughs> You guys continue to do me a favor. Be blessed to be a blessing to somebody. Take care.